Well, the federal government extended for the foreign buyer ban on Canadian homes uh, to 2027. The announcement was made uh, last week by Deputy Prime Minister Christia uh, Freeland. Now, under the ban, uh, which came into effect last year and was set to expire at the beginning of 2025, foreign commercial enterprises and people who are not Canadian citizens or permanent residents are prohibited from purchasing residential property uh, in Canada. Uh, Non-Canadians found in contravention of the ban would be fined up to $10,000 in order to uh, sell the property. Now, since that's brought in, the other question many people are asking is, well, that's all well and good. Many people are asking for that. That's popular. But why haven't prices dropped uh, in Canada and certainly here in Vancouver if we have a foreign buyer's tax and a ban on uh, uh, foreigners buying? Uh, joining me now to talk a little bit about uh, the ban and, uh, and and the foreign buyer's tax uh, is Andy Yan. He's an urban planner, associate professor in urban studies and director of the city program at Simon Fraser University. Andy, thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's a pleasure, Chaz. Uh, I found this very interesting with this announcement that, of course, we're going to extend the foreign buyers ban. Um, but I think most people, when they see those headlines, they say, well, that's great. But how come I'm not seeing any impact on affordability or prices noticeably dropping? Why is that? Well, I think by itself, I think the foreign buyers ban isn't enough. That I think when we talk about the kind of changes we're going to need to increase affordability, it's going to be around housing supply, demand and finance. And that this is, this is only part of the solution, but yet at the same time, I think the way the ban was developed, I think it itself, um, I think, has limited effect. Uh, has it had an effect? That's an interesting question. I think that, you know, certainly, I think in the realm of the issue of affordability, I think there have been other factors that perhaps overwhelmed what it what it what it could have had an effect on to um the fact that it was announced i think um much later than when we first kind of noticed you know the possibility of foreign capital coming into um uh, coming into canadian housing that that's that's also a big challenge because of course it's mixed into the fact that this is talking about foreign buyers as opposed to foreign money and i think that this is really the kind of big challenge here in terms of dealing with just foreign money than it is with foreign buyers so you think we need to be going further, not just the foreign buyers, but look at other uh, issues specifically around foreign capital coming into our country? Oh, I think very much so. I think that it's going into the question of foreign capital and then learning from what other countries do. And I think that in, in a way, it's really learning to say what a country like Singapore has done in terms of the effects of, for, of, of, of foreign money coming in, foreign capital coming into their housing market. And what? I think that it really comes to one simple packet, one simple message. And what did what did Singapore do? Well, I think that Singapore actually has a a, a stamp tax through which well, a, a tax on sales through which changes and increases depending upon whether you're a domestic Singaporean or a non-Singaporean that goes up at, depending on how many properties you own in Singapore. And the basic message for that is that there will not be free parking for people putting parking their money into local Singaporean real estate. Can you implement something like that here in British Columbia? Our systems are so different from a city-state like Singapore. I think that that's going to be a question of adaptivity, of creativity, of really, I think this is where the provincial government will, would probably, well, the federal government would certainly have to work with the provincial government in terms of that in, in terms of that type of policy. But then it, I think it just really deals with the realities of how money flows around the world and lands in things like residential real estate. 
Um, I think the 2021, uh, from the numbers that I'm looking at, in Vancouver had the highest or largest proportion of non-resident ownership in urban Canada. It was about 4.3% in 2021, the highest in this country. Um, some would argue, look, th- that's not enough to have an impact. Should we uh, basically get rid of this foreign ban? Because the, the, the numbers weren't very big even when we d- decided to talk about this conversation, uh, decided to have this conversation. 4.3% is not a lot in the grand scheme of things. Well, that's the issue, Jazz, is that the devil's in the details, that when you actually just don't try to dilute it in terms of a, 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 a regional number and actually look at specific cities, you find that it actually jumps up to almost 10% in the city of Vancouver, 11% in the city of Richmond. So I think that to actually uh, understand that with those types of numbers, looking at a very high geographic scale, like a province or a region, it dilutes the effect of foreign buying. And I think that this is, I think, something that to be aware of, that, you know, a question about 4% is perhaps smaller, but it's certainly, um, certainly when we talk about 10%, of, of residential real estate being owned by non non resident uh, non resident occupants, I think that that's a that's a that's a policy issue. Hmm. And, and the fact that we've extended this homeowners ban to 2027, uh, do you think it needs to be made permanent? I think that it needs to change. I think that it needs to I think change with dare I say the principle of the fact that there will be no free parking for foreign money in Canadian real estate, and I think that it's going to take I think learning from policies whether they come in from Singapore, from Australia, New Zealand, or or parts of the United States, that I think that we you know we take the best practices and 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 practice them here in Canada. Hmm. Uh, you you use Singapore as an example. Uh, you've brought up Australia and New Zealand. Is Australia quite similar that they have this ban, but they also very much look at foreign capital as well moving to their country? They're certainly looking at foreign capital, but I think their approaches have been a bit different. That it has been, I think a realm of taxation for holding as opposed to just only transactions that I think that this is, I think, again, the kind of evolution of this kind of policy that we're going to need in a place like British Columbia. Are are other governments doing that beyond just Australia, New Zealand, you're mentioning Singapore, but the the UK, France, the United States, other provincial governments Mm -hmm. uh, serious about this yet or even nationally in, in, in other G7 nations? I, I think so. I mean, I mean, even in even in Toronto, they've been actually talking about um, having a having a non-resident tax for uh, for residential properties. So I think that it it just kind of reflects the reality of how money from around the world are landing on local real estate and having effects on local housing markets and trying to I think write the scale, balance out the scale for those who are living here on local incomes. Uh, your thoughts, when you look at your crystal ball here, yes, uh, real estate has slowed down a little bit, the sales and uh, of real estate because of higher interest rates, but those are going to come down to a, to a lower level, either starting mid-year, but certainly by next year we're expecting changes. Do you see uh, not a, a massive increase, or do you see attempts of more capital, being tried, people trying to move capital through Canada uh, because of that? Do you see an increase over the next year or so? That's a possibility, but I think the interesting thing are, are say, what's going, what's happening in some of these home countries. That I think, with certainly what's happening in China, 
um, as one of the kind of major sources of global capital in Canadian real estate. I think the kind of major domestic changes that are happening in China, I think, kind of put in some interesting questions. I think the changes domestically when it comes to lending rules, um, a lot of my, um, you know, part of my major research was actually finding that it's not only about foreign capital, but it's foreign capital um, magnified by our lending institutions that I think that it's going to be interesting to watch if, if when interest rates lower, but yet I think lending lending um, guidelines have actually been strengthened in terms of who banks can lend to in Canada. So it's going to be some pretty interesting things to watch, but one should note uh, what Sam Cooper had discovered uh, last week in terms of the about the prevalence of, of fraud in terms of lending. So I think that it's, it's always an interesting subject matter to look at. I look at places like Oak Ridge or many high-profile developments in the Lower Mainland. Mm-hmm. In many cases, when I lived in China, you you could go to a real estate office, uh, much like here in Vancouver, mm-hmm. let's say at a shopping mall, and you'd see condos for sale in Vancouver, in Toronto, even in some mm-hmm. cases Calgary. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think we need need to actually look at even marketing of, of, of some of these facilities in foreign countries? Well, I think the marketing is probably an indicator of where those where, where, where the demand is, and I think that it is. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's something to observe. I think that you know to kind of see how local local Vancouver real estate is marketed abroad in actually in certain cases very elaborate marketing. Uh, marketing um, displays that I think it illustrates the kind of global demand for for residential real estate in Vancouver. It's just that I think that it shouldn't be, I think, a freehold for those who live globally but don't necessarily live here lo- locally. Andy, as always, thank you for your time. Always a pleasure, Jazz.